0: And I was standing on these rocks looking upstream from the very bottom of it. And I remember the two mountains in the background. That's what clicked. I'm like, I know those mountains. And when I came back, I looked at the picture. I'm like, guys, this is Mundaka, isn't it? And they're like, yeah. And guess what boat that is? That's the boat that you've been guiding. Because they only have a few of these boats. And some of them are kind of gnarlier looking. And that, well, that was a, that's a sexy new boat that they had, you know? I'm like, dude, you that's the same rapid you've been doing in the same boat at the same company. I manifested that stuff somehow. I've been like dreaming about this, and it's like it fell on the plate, it just it blew me away, you know. This is the Seasonals
1: Podcast, a show where we talk to people living the seasonal lifestyle. We take an in-depth look at the decision points they've encountered along the way. I'm here today with Bryant Knoll. How are we doing, Bryant?
0: Good, Joey. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it,
1: dude. I am excited for this episode. We hung out for the first time yesterday on the tugboat in the middle of the Inside Passage, yeah, in Ketchikan, Alaska, and it was a blast. We took the cover photo for issue three of the magazine, and it got it got crazy. We watched
0: a beautiful sunset.
1: Yeah, beautiful sunset. Saw whales. Yeah. Saw some tourists watching whales <laughs> going crazy, so Brian, let me ask you this because I don't know a lot about you. what is life like right now for Brian Knoll? what happens winter, summer? what do you got going on what are you what are you thinking about when you're going to bed what's give me the whole thing
0: Ooh, what am I thinking about when I'm going to bed how to how to continue my growth? Uh, life right now is is great um, I've kind of fell into the place where I'm financially free, I'm spiritually free, I'm filled with gratitude and joy because finally I'm coming to that place where I'm like almost manifesting these things into reality and I'm seeing this come into reality. You know, it's, you know, over a decade ago, if you would have told me I'd be in the spot, I said no way, but this kind of lifestyle is fitting me and I've been creating it along the way and it's 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 going great. I'm really enjoying where I'm at right now
1: let me ask you this. You said spiritually free. What is, what is that? Why do you use those terms and what does that mean to you?
0: Because I've been doing this gratitude practice a lot lately. I've been getting into this last couple of years and you know, the simple little joys in life, if you can really understand to be grateful for these little things, you know, everybody wants either to be, you know, have a lot of money, be debt free, um, have all these material goods, but really do you need all those things? Um, I've been finding out, like, just, you know, being able to wake up in the morning in Ketchikan, Alaska, to hang out with you guys for only a few weeks to go guide a little bit. um, Because my career has led me to this point, you know, I'm super grateful that I have connections to be able to even come up into this, go hang out with you guys on a tugboat and watch the sunset. and. Be you know, get paid for just even a couple weeks to be here. So I'm super grateful for those little things even to wake up here, you know, and then be able to go back to my business in Montana in just a few days now and have my employees right now even running that business while I'm not even there. I mean, I'm super grateful for those little things, and I feel like, that gratitude i've been practicing and just those little simple things that i have you know i don't need all these big material things um i don't need all this money i mean sure those things are great but do you really need them Um, because if you start really understanding the true joy of life and what really makes you happy and surrounding yourself with people that make you happy and spreading that kind of love you know it's that's what makes me spiritually happy and and just filled with joy
1: makes for a full life
0: yeah yeah
1: what is the business back in montana
0: Food trucks. I have four food trucks called Covered Wagon Hot Dogs. We serve all natural local Montana meat, 100% beef hot dogs. Um, this is year six for us now. It's just been growing every year. It's been phenomenal. Um, the first four years, every year, I bought a new operation and been growing from there. And then now I'm transitioning into starting internships to get um, culinary students to come out to me and I house them. They learn how to run a food truck company for themselves so they can go back and do that wherever they want to with themselves. And uh, so, you know finding the right people to continue the growth. That's what I'm doing right now with that during my summer times in Montana. Mm -hmm. And what about the winter? Winter times, I shut it down uh, usually mid-November, and I travel down to South America. I've been in Chile for a couple years, Costa Rica, and guide whitewater down there. And then I come back to the States and open it back up April 1st and continue the work work summer.
1: What are some of the spots you go to in South America and... What are they
0: like, and what drew you to them? Um, it started with La Food Chili, um, one of the biggest whitewater sections commercially raftable in the world, and I've always wanted to get to that point in my career to be able to do that kind of stuff, uh, so that was my first draw. Um, that that river bug got in my, my head my second year of guiding in Wisconsin, and I've always dreamed about guiding on that river. So when the business opened up, um, it took my summers away from me from guiding, so when I can shut it down in the wintertime, it's nice that I can travel down to the Fuda now and, and guide on that and then um also in Costa Rica, guided there in um on the El Choro River, some class five, uh, the jet they call it. I'm hanging out there in Capos area. So yeah. So the Fuda Lafu
1: is Chile. Yes. And then you've got stuff in Costa Rica. El Choro River, yep. Okay. Is there any whitewater rafting in Colombia? Yeah. Yeah, there is. Is it good or is it just you There know, is, yeah, is it B team stuff. No,
0: there's there's three fours in there for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I haven't personally been there, but there there is. Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: So, you're a whitewater rafting guide in the winter. Right. Class fives badass brian's the dude that's what i prefer sure right (laughs) and then in the summer you own four food trucks in montana yeah they travel that's going great you've got it to the point where you can leave for some of the time yeah you're bringing interns in you're giving that gift of self-ownership and a future opportunity to a new generation of people yeah and so it sounds like yeah you've got Spiritually free is definitely part of it, and everything else is coming on, coming with it. So let me ask you this. Let's go back in time. High school or Bryant? Where
0: did you go to high school? Burlington Central, Illinois. Small town. Graduated with, man, I think we are like 2'11". We were the biggest class to ever go through. Okay. So, small town.
1: And what were you thinking senior year? Which, which college were you getting ready to go to, and what, what did you think life was going to look like
0: for you? Uh, I wasn't planning on college. Um, I was a hockey player in high school, pretty decent, wanted to go play college hockey, but grades in high school weren't my thing. I'm not necessarily a, a good student, I guess you'd say, CB, kind of a student, just got my way through high school. So I didn't think college was going to be my thing. I didn't, I didn't have that thing like, I'm going to go to college for this. This is what I want to do. I just didn't have that yet. I knew I wanted to play hockey, but what am I going to go to school for? Why am I going to pay this money to go and not even know, start start educating myself in something? Um, but then my dad said to me, he's like, you know what, just go for one year. Try for one year. If you don't like it, then, you know, and you can be done. But at least try it. Because in my mind, I was like, well, I'm just going to continue working on the farm. You know, I had a farm down the road that I worked for, and, I was like, yeah, maybe he'll sell a farm to me someday and I'll own that. But you know, he's like, no, go to college, try for one year. If you don't like it, that's fine, you can come back. But at least try. So I went there to play hockey and started my liberal studies and all that. And uh it's northern Michigan University's run with the college and played hockey there. And uh it's outdoor community. Yeah. Lake Superior is right there, a lot of national forest and everything. So running rampant through that area, and someone's like, well, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. It's liberal studies. We're trying to play hockey for right now. And I'm like, well, why don't you look in the outdoor recreation major? I didn't know that was a thing up there. Makes sense now. Yeah, <laughs> right. I didn't <laughs> know that was a thing. And he's like, yeah, man, you could be a professional camper. I'm like, all right, I'll look into that, you know. So, yeah, I, and then my second year, I um, transitioned into to major in outdoor recreation leadership and management and focusing on leadership skills in the backcountry, expedition leader style, um, after I started going through that program, kind of found out I wanted to open up my outdoor adventure resort for myself someday and, uh, kind of led from there and continued to play hockey and found a, a path that I really enjoyed learning about. Where did you think that was going to take you? I didn't know at first. I mean, I had the idea of like, you know, outdoor adventures resor- resorts would be pretty cool. Didn't really know what they entail. Um, doing some backpacking, some lake river stuff. I didn't really know. Um, but we started to have to do the internship programs and fieldwork experience in the last couple of years of, of schooling there. So, uh, I raced um, sled dogs in Marquette uh, for just a season and really enjoyed that.
1: Is so, that a like a club team thing or?
0: No, they have like the UP two hundred up there and some other little smaller races. You know, some of these big guys go up there. They gotta have qualifying. Uh, races for the Iditarod and all that. So kind of surrounded by those, that community. Mm-hmm. Um, so just helping like, on dog hand and all that kind of stuff. Anyways, um, I was thinking about applying to go up to Juneau, Ala- well, I did applied to go up to Juneau, Alaska, to do dog sled tours on a glacier. thought that would be pretty cool um, because I was already kind of in the dog sledding community. And that guy was interviewing me, and there's there two of us interviewing, apparently. And we I went to, like, the third interview, and this is the coolest interview question i've ever had from this guy he's like this is the third interview too he's like if you were to live on a submarine for six months by yourself what three things would you bring with you you have a minute to answer go i was just like whoa all right so i'm like thinking 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 i'm like okay well okay a a pocket knife you know survival 101 you know have a knife on you so i'm like i'm gonna have a a knife on me and uh Instead of fishing pole, in okay, case so the submarine surfaces, then I can fish and all that in the ocean or wherever we're at with the submarine. And then uh, my drum set. So it used to be, uh, I played drums in high school. So I'm like, yeah, bring my drum set and just keep practicing there. And he's like, okay, great. Um, and then he called me back later and told me that uh, unfortunately, between me and the other guy that they're interviewing, I didn't get the job, they said it was super close, they flipped a coin, and unfortunately, it's, it went to the other <laughs> he guy, he flipped a coin, like, whether that's true or not, whatever. Right. Um, but then I was trying to think about like, that interview question again, like, well, why would he ask that? And it makes sense, because you spend so much time up on that glacier, you have, they wanna know like, what your values are, you know, are yeah. do you pack small, are you gonna just wanna bring a you know, whole busload of stuff up there, is that what you need to live off of, or are you a simple lifestyle? And I think that's what he was looking for. So I think I answered correctly. with simple lifestyle kind of stuff. It sounds you know, like it. Just need my music and, and I don't know, entertainment for fishing and uh, I guess a survival knife or something because all the food and, you know, your living was taken care of on the boat. So, um, yeah, I didn't get that job. And then uh, I was like, well, now what? So I've got to find something to do. And my family took a cruise up to Alaska. I think I was probably in seventh or eighth grade or something. And we went up um, to Del- Denali National Park. And we went whitewater rafting there. And the guide was just super awesome and really made it fun for me and my brother because we were young you know and uh he just it was a class two three river um but he just made it super fun for us kids and we had a blast and it was fun talking to him and i remember i'm like that that was a pretty cool experience i wonder if i could help out with that kind of stuff for other people you know and be a whitewater raft guide or something so i started looking into it my brother just graduated college and he wanted to do something fun so there's a whitewater rafting river just two hours south of us um, in Wisconsin on the Peshtigo and the Menominee River. And uh, we went there for just a trip. And it was just the two of us, a guy named Barry. He's kind of my river mentor. He got me, he's the one that got me into this lifestyle now. And it was just the three of us going on the river in inflatable kayaks. Um, Call them duckies, IKs. Uh, Anyways, we went down the Peshtigo River. It was higher water, spring melt. And he thought, oh man, these two kids. Who knows what's going to happen? They might swim or whatever. This is bigger water, but let's we'll see what happens. They're young, you know, athletes. Maybe they'll keep up. And halfway through the river, we pull over. He's just like, this is great. You guys are following me exactly where I need to go. It's like you guys are natural. You know how you're like. It seems like you're reading the water already. And uh, you know, there's no carnage so far. Mm-hmm. And he's like, this is like a fun run for me. This is this is phenomenal. So we're just going to play and hang out a little bit more and go see some different stuff and do some surfing on the river and all that with the uh, the inflatable kayaks and. And at the end, he's like, well, what are you guys doing? And my brother's like, well, I'm graduating, going to construction. And, and I was like, well, I'm looking for internships and in, in field work, and I actually wanted to get into whitewater rafting. But when I apply around the country, everybody wants experience. Well, I have no experience, so how am I supposed to get in the door, Right. And he's like, Well, we actually have a spot open here. When we get back, I'll talk to the boss. You know, it was really fun hanging out with you on the river and see if we can get you in. And Barry's in his later 50s at this point. He's just just a badass dude, you know. Um, He gets back. He's like, You know, we need to get this guy on board with us. He's a natural and he's strong and blah, blah, blah. And uh, about two weeks later, she calls me up. She's like, Yeah, you still want the job? I was like, Okay, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, (laughs) I would love it. So I moved down there for the summer and then uh, it kind of took off from there. What
1: was that f- first, I'm guessing you worked a season there with Barry. Mm-hmm. What did that first season look like? What? When did it start getting hard for you, or has it?
0: Uh, it never got hard for me. Um, that first season was an eye-opener of this is amazing. I, I feel like everything happens for a reason. There's a reason I didn't get that guide job up in Juneau on the glacier. Um, and rivers have become my absolute passion, you know. And I met John, and me and him became river buddies, and we – Kept on traveling around the country together, guiding for a while, too. Um, we did two seasons in in uh, Wisconsin there and learned a lot. Learned about how to how to read whitewater, how to roll kayaks. We got into whitewater kayaking a lot, too, because Barry taught us as well. Um, he really took us under his wing. And so I had, like, my partner in crime. We were both same age, and he went to uh, a college in, in Wisconsin. So... I got that partner in crime, just like, let's run rapid. We got off work and we just go right back to the river and keep playing, mm-hmm. you know, and keep learning and all that. And then Barry would come out and join us too and, and some of the other crew. Um, and then from there, we're like, hey, let's let's go somewhere else and get some bigger rivers and all that. We wanted to go out west and we started looking up um, some rivers and John comes over and he's like, look at this river. Look how beautiful it is, like crystal clear blue. You can see, uh, it's just, it's absolutely beautiful. And we're like, well, where, where is it? It's Glacier National Park, Montana. Like let's go to Montana for next season for season three, you know. So I had to go. um, We both had to go back to school. So we decided, yeah, let's apply for some jobs. And we got both got a job out in a a Wild River Adventure up in Glacier National Park for the season. And that that's when we always joke. That's when we we became men. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We grew up there. Uh, It was just amazing community. Uh, when we were done with the trips there as well, like we go run rampant through the national park. It was We were right outside the, the west entrance. Uh, we got on the Middle Fork and the North Fork of the Flathead, you know, family float stuff, class three, class four at higher water. Um, so our first big volume whitewater experience though, because Wisconsin is more lower volume, um, creaky style stuff. So whole new element to the whitewater stuff for us, um, learning that stuff. Uh, and then from there, I wanted to go bigger and better and and, and see different stuff and start exploring more. Because Barry, back in Wisconsin, uh, year two mentioned, he's like, you know, the river guys do this. This is a seasonal, they they guide up in, you know, the states and then they'll go down south or something in the southern hemisphere and keep on guiding. A year-round thing. I'm like, no way. That, that's a thing? He's like, yeah, absolutely. You know, the food of the food, you can go to Africa and Zambezi, you can go to um, uh, New Zealand, all these different places. And I'm like, no way. And uh, I'm like, well, Barry, what's what's what are these big rivers, you know? He's like, well, the food of the food, Chile, is one of the, the legendary rivers, you know? And I was like, well, let's research that. What's that one all about? So even that year two, I remember calling up some other raft companies down in Chile. There's four of main ones down there. And I called them up. I'm like, hey, I would love to come and guide for you and they're like, well, what's your experience level? I'm like, you know, Menominee Nepechico, and Apache, in Wisconsin. I pretty much got laughed at. They're like, the what? <laughs> <laughs> like a no name kind of river. They're great rivers, but they're not, you know, the top of the U.S. or anything like that. Um, but great rivers to learn on. So they're like, no, you got to have some different experience, some bigger water experience, um, more technical, more Class Five stuff, right? So he's like, you got to go like to these different, he like, named like five different rivers. He's like, go guide on these, call me back in a few years, and we'll see what we can do, right? <laughs> so I took it seriously. You know, me and John went to Glacier, and after the Glacier, I was just like, I want to start guiding the, the five that he was talking about just in the U.S. And so I started bopping around the country, California, West Virginia, Arizona, and just hitting up all these rivers, and I called him back, you know, that company. And it's just like, hey, we talked like five years ago. I'd love to come and work on the food of Fou now. And he's just like, I don't remember talking to you, but good <laughs> job on doing those rivers. That's great. Um, but we don't really need anybody right now. You know? And oh, so I'm no. like, you got to be kidding me. So I call these other companies. I'm like, hey, i got this experience, you know? And they're like, now we have our returners, like, you know, they have, like, 15-year guides that keep on returning. Well, what does that tell you? Obviously, it's a good community, good good work environment, good river. They treat them well. You know, you got to love here and return stuff like that, um, not big turnover rates. So, uh I wanted it. I trained for it. I went hard for a while, for years, to get on that river. And I've been dreaming about that. I carried a little, actually, a little piece of paper. I printed off year three. It was a, it was a picture of a raft full of people going down a rapid called Mundaka on the Fuda. the bridge to bridge section. And I had no idea where that photo was on the river. I just had it. I was like, I Googled it, Fuda food, yeah. you know, found a cool picture. And I, I carried it around with me. I carried my wallet, hung it on my the different houses I lived in through the time, you know, my guide tent, when we we're tenting out every different season, all, I'm, I'm training for the food. I want the food. You That's know? the goal. That's the goal. So actually when I got, I so I opened up a food truck company and that took away my North hemisphere guiding options, right? Because so I had to run my company now. Well, it's seasonal, so I can shut it down in the wintertime. So now I have the option of going down to South. Okay, uh, I wanted to start doing that before, but financially I couldn't because River Guide salary plus student loans kicking in now. It's just it, you just couldn't do it. I couldn't make it happen. So now this business comes into play, and I'm like, great. Well, I can shut this thing down and I can go down to South America now, so I can financially do it. And I call these companies up again. They're all like, no, 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 no. I'm like, ah. But in my in my mind, I trained for this. This is the time. If I don't do it now, when am I going to do it? Like, I got to make this happen. So I bought a ticket. And I flew down there, and the three major goals was make sure all my luggage gets down there with me. You know, it's four different plane rides. You got a couple of different ferry rides that are like 24 hours or 12 hours, and you gotta get on a bus a couple of different times. I mean, it's way down there at the bottom of South America in Chile. Yeah. So it's a long journey, and I'm like, hey, goal one: make sure all of our my equipment gets there with me every single step of the way. Step two: get to Fudulafu, find something to eat. Step three: find a place to live for the season. And my idea was I'm just going to show up to these companies and knock on a door and be like, hey, I'm here. I'm here for four months for sure. Um, this is my experience. I'm, I'm happy to help out. Just get me on the river and let me try to prove myself. You know, I'll be a driver. I'll clean coolers. I'll rig boats. Whatever I got to do, just get me on the river so I can get out there. Like, this is my dream and goal. Right. I'm making it happen for myself. I'm throwing myself in the element. I didn't even know Spanish, man. <laughs> I, knew, I knew, like, four where I knew Baño and Cerveza and Mujigalasius. You know, that, yeah, that was pretty much it. And then on my travels down there, I'm thinking, okay, I got to be able to speak Spanish in the rafts the directions, like all forward, all back, left, right. So I'm, I'm practicing those words too. So I know just that, that's it. So getting down there was kind of a challenge of like when the bus schedules were coming, trying to communicate with there's this further South, you go in South America, there's no English, man. You're just kind of just thrown it's in less, it. And, less yeah. and
1: less. Yeah.
0: And so I got my little uh, translator book with me and I'm reading every now and again, trying to like, Hey, I'm going to plan out the sentence I want to say to someone to ask a question. And, of course, when you say it to them, they're thinking, okay, this guy can speak Spanish. We'll just talk back in Spanish real quick with him. And then, like, as soon as they start saying something back to me, I'm like, I don't know what you're saying now. I just practiced that one sentence for, like, an hour. We're in the frontier. <laughs> I, I didn't plan for this. Yeah. yeah, so eventually I got my way down there, you know. made it happen. And then uh, I really wanted to work for this one certain company, um, Expedition Chile. And I, I walked up to them first and knocked on the door. River manager opens the door, and he's just like, hey. I'm like, hey, I'm Bryant. I'm here. I gave him the spiel, right? And he's just like, well, I'm about to go get some food. You want to come with? And we can talk and eat and all that? I'm like, yes. So check one was all my gear got there. Check two, he's like, you want to go get some food? I'm like, yes. And then after we ate and talked for a while, I was like, well, where are you staying? And I'm like, I don't know I, we're, what hostel or what do you recommend? I just, you know, it's probably still... Three in the afternoon, so I got time. To I traveled out. all
1: the way to talk to you, <laughs> and I'm here now. Don't ask me about what's happening in an hour. I'm right here.
0: I'm right here in this moment, you know. And he's just like, Well, all the guides haven't shown up yet. Do you want to stay in the guide house? And I was just like, Check, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah, I got somewhere to stay for at least a night, you know. And I'm okay with, and I got my tent. I'll go down by the river or whatever. I'm dirtbag lifestyle. I'm used to it right now. Yeah. You know? So he's like, yeah, come stay in the guide house. I'm like, great. And then uh, we're in the guide house having a couple beers. And he's like, we're going to go do some training tomorrow. Do you want to get in the river? I'm like, of course I do. you know." And they have a couple of 18-foot cataracts. And he's like, I'm going to jump in one. You jump in the other one and follow me down the river. In my mind, I'm like, this is one of the biggest whitewater sections commercially raftable in the world, and you want me to just follow you down and kind of. You don't. I've been telling you my experience, but can you always believe someone, right? Yeah. But in my mind, I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I'm gonna. I'll do that. But also, I haven't seen this river besides some YouTube videos, you know. So there's a little heart rate going. I'm like, "Eh, this is gonna be some big shit, you know. So I'm excited. We wake up. We go down the river, and uh, it was phenomenal. It was a beautiful day. So hold on, you. You've had this picture of people
1: that you found on the Google search mm-hmm. on the food of foo hanging up for how many years now?
0: Oh man, that's probably 5 years at that point. 5
1: years you've been looking at this exact picture. And so you get into a situation while you're up north and it's like it's now or never. Yeah, I'm buying the ticket. Yeah. And I'm I'll figure it out. I'll I've got these out. 3 easy goals, but they're <laughs> necessary you go down there and it's one domino after the next of just it's just green light green it's light it's in a green place. light and now you're what second third day down there you're ta- you're second day second day you're with the manager of the company you want to work with and he says let's go let's go let's do it follow me follow me and you're this <laughs> it, it all leads up to this this is the moment this is your your test and of you know you don't know what happens if you succeed in this test, but you know this is the moment that
0: I had to prove myself.
1: Right, right. And this is what it's all led up to. Mm-hmm. This is it. And so yeah, what I want I want to hear detail that trip. What were you thinking? What were some of the tough spots? Was it all easy? Was was this no, guy food is not easy. So All right. Give it to me. <laughs>
0: So I'm following him down, and he was really good about pulling over before most rapids and giving me some beta on it. You know, do this, do this, do this kind of thing, right? Great. Um, in my mind going through of course heart is pumping, but just excited. I'm just on cloud nine. I'm like, yes, let's make this happen. Uh but also in my mind I'm like, hey, if I flip, you know, it's it's the food. It's big class five. I've been doing class five now. Flips happen. It's part of whitewater, it's part of the risk. If it was guaranteed not gonna flip, what's the fun? Well for me, what's the fun, right? Like mm-hmm. I like the the challenge of keep the boat upright. So in my mind, okay, if you flip, get back to your boat. Quick cleanup kind of thing, right? That's part of the game too. That's what I look for now when I train guides like if you flip that's fine i get it you know try to avoid it obviously do good not to flip but quick cleanup that's part of the goal so seeing how guides do that that's everything Uh, so my mind like just quick cleanup do what you gotta do take the swim whatever um thank goodness i didn't have to deal with that that day uh but actually he flipped right in front of me on moondaka rapid which is a class four in the middle of the section and that rapid it's 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 just a painful rapid it's uh I hate saying this. It's not, sometimes it's not even fun. It's just painful because it's a long rapid and you got to make some good moves up top to line you up perfectly for the last final move so you don't go into this massive hole. And if you do, it's just violent. Um, He hit that hole. And I'm right behind him going, I'm watching him flip right now. It's a big, gnarly looking flip. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, I don't wanna do that. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just, you know, reading the white water, doing my own thing. I make the surf from river left to river right on like as a back ferry surf. Oh, so cool. I, just, oh, I felt so good, you know? And then, of course, I'm chasing him down to help clean up the pieces. This is part of this. this is a team effort. doesn't matter who we are. This is all team. This is the food of the food, you know, yeah. any river. It doesn't matter. Team effort. So I'm chasing him down, helping him clean up the pieces. No big deal. He's rescued himself. We're getting boats flip back over and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it's a big smile on his face. He's like, yeah, you made it up for right. Good on you, man. You didn't go where I went. So, <laughs> um, so day one, I'm watching him flip in front of me. I, you know, get through everything and and we end it. And he's just like, man, you, you killed it. That was great. And, uh, he's like, want to continue training with us. I'm like, if you know why, I, of course I do. Um, so from there on out, we trained for like two weeks and the owner's not even down there yet. And I don't even really know who the owner is. I found out later that he was this Olympian kayaker back in the eighties. Had no idea. I should know this, right? But I had no (laughs) idea who Chris Spilius was at that point. Sorry, Chris, if you ever hear this, but, uh, So he's not even down there yet. I got two weeks of training with uh, my river manager. And Chris comes down, and he has an idea of a crew that he's bringing down with him. And when they get there, he's like, well, who's this guy? And the manager's like, well, I've been training him. He's, He's our safety catarafter for right now. And Chris is like, but I have a crew coming. We don't need him. And Johnny's like, no, we have a trip going out in, like, two days. I need him. I want him. He's been training. He's been here. Where have the other guys been? You know? So, like, I, it all fell into place. I got there early. I got there early enough to keep on training. It just, you know? It you were just,
1: there. I was You there. were right there with him. hmm Yep. Made it happen. So, uh,
0: thank goodness he vouched for me. And I became the lead safety cat rafter my first year down there. I'm like, this is just dreams are coming true. And it's been going on. But then, you know, some competition happened because these other guys show up. You know, like guy living we're kind of fighting for some space and who's going to get the final spots and all that kind of stuff and it's not guaranteed quite yet because the owner's going to make the final call who's going to be the best personalities who's going to be um the work the hardest and all this different stuff right so there's no guarantee yet you know um but finally yeah people started just weeding themselves out it was kind of cut through it's, it's there's a lot of ego down there mm-hmm. you know if you're In politics yeah it's you know you're running that kind of stuff you have to have a good mindset and not saying like the ego's got to get too far out of control, and some people do that, and those are the ones that weed themselves out pretty quick. Um, but you have to be confident in yourself and your abilities. But at the same time, the people that you're competing with for the spot, you got to help them as much as you can too. Because when things go wrong out there in those big rivers, you don't just like, oh, that sucks. You're not getting the job. No, man, you're helping each other. You're saving each other. Whatever you got to do, it's part of the game. Because um, it could be you in that situation. Exactly. The next day. And there's no reason someone needs to get injured because of ego. So, but the ego's out there. So, uh, people started weeding weed themselves out, and then, yeah, I became um, the lead raft. Because, you know, we kind of sw- switched through after mid-season, you know. Obviously, the managers he's also lead raft guide. And so, for every raft, you have to have a safety cataract and a safety kayak. So, if we were to launch three boats full of people, you got three cataracts, and you got three kayakers. That's just, that's how fast cleanup's got to happen. That's how good safety that we have, you know. It's just full on. So, Um, we all rotate through so we didn't get burnt out or anything. He's like, hey, do you want to jump on the oars and actually guide the people down, you know, halfway through the season? I'm like, absolutely, that's what I'm here to do. So then he jumped in the cataract, and we still had our safety kayaker and stuff, and then we'd switch again. I was kayaker, and then that kayaker came into the the boat and the raft and all that. So, um, yeah, we'd rotate through. We all were dialed in. We really enjoyed each other. And then halfway, more than halfway through that season, our river manager had another big flip and really hurt his shoulder. And it was one of those situations where he couldn't really do much anymore. um, And he wanted out. So he left. He just up and left. Well, who's managing now? Who's making the calls? Who's doing the shots? And Chris is like looking at me like, wait, you ready to handle it? I'm like, all right, great. Let's make it happen. I'm here to keep going. It's not like we're going to stop, you know? So um, he kind of handed me the management position. And so now at the end of my first year, I'm becoming lead guide and river manager for this company. On the food of foo. On the food of foo. So year two, I came back full-time again as lead guide and river manager as well, um, in partners with Harley. Harley was there as well, um, helping me manage too. So it was, yeah, it, it just it, it fell into place. So it, I, going back to the picture that I carried, I didn't know what rapid that was for a long time. It was probably a month, month and a half into it. And we finally scouted Mundaka again from below because the water was just fluctuating. We're like, we got to take a look at this thing right now. And I was standing on these rocks looking upstream from the very bottom of it. And I remember the two mountains in the background. That's what clicked. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I know those mountains. And when I came back, I looked at the picture. I'm like, guys, this is Mundaka, isn't it? And they're like, yeah. And guess what boat that is? That's the boat that you've been guiding because they only have a few <laughs> of these boats and some of them are kind of gnarlier looking and that, well, that was a, that's a sexy new boat that they had, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, you that's the same rapid you've been doing in the same boat at the same company. I manifested that stuff somehow. Yep. I've been like dreaming about this and it's like, it fell into the place. It just, it blew me away, you know? And so it just, yeah, it, I loved it. I loved every moment of it. Oh, I
1: bet that was such a cool feeling. It really was. It just, like, starts your toes and comes up.
0: Yeah. Whoa! Same river, same rapid, same exact boat, same company.
1: Yep. And by the end of the first season, you're managing, and it's just, you made it happen.
0: I made it happen. No Spanish. No. Spot <laughs> <laughs> a ticket and got down there. I didn't care if they said no. I want to go prove myself because I want it. You put yourself in position to make it happen, and mm-hmm. it did. hmm
1: So tell me about the food trucks
0: that you own? So, again, yeah, covered wagon hot dogs. own four of them. Travel all over the state. That helped me turn this dream into reality. It's like I was saying before, financially, I just couldn't do it full year-round river guiding financially with um, student loans kicking in the gear. It was year five. I was in Missoula and guiding for this company and I was managing that company that year. Before so I guided for them one year. The second year is going to manage for that company. When I was coming back for that second year, boss man calls me up. He's like, "Hey, do you want to manage this year?" And I'm like, "Yeah, as long as I can still be on the river with the people, because that's I love being under. I'm an entertainer. I love the, the adrenaline. That's where I belong is on the rivers. I'm like, I'm happy to manage, but I don't want to just be pulled off and be shuttle driver and logistics. All that. you know, I still got to do that stuff, but not you know. He's like, "Yeah, Brian, You know, um, your manager last year was the same thing. No problem. And like two weeks before I." show up he buys another rafting company so now he owns two companies so he just expanded so he's, he called me up he's like this is what we got to do this season i'm like great let's make it happen no problem we'll absolutely do this is hustle unfortunately Midway through the season, we just got so busy. So now we got two companies that I, I did my job training the guides and everything, but I had to be pulled off the river to do the logistics, make sure the shuttles were set, make sure I was patching the boats when people would rub up too much on these rocks, uh, clean the cool – all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And it just burnt me out. I just was not happy about that. And I thought being a manager at a raft company, you know, at year five was going to be the dream, be great, but it just burnt me out. I wasn't with the people. I wasn't on the water. I wasn't doing my passion. And – I've been talking to my dad for a few years about the outdoor adventure resort idea. And I want to do that, going to business and stuff and watching the show shark tank to learn how to like get investors and all these different things. And, you know, one day he calls me up. He's like, Hey, why don't you open up a hot dog stand in Missoula? And I was like, what? That's a horrible idea. Like, you know what I'm trying to do? I'm trying to open up a venture resort and you know, I don't know anything about culinary. I don't. Know. I didn't even know food trucks was really a thing. I didn't know they were booming and, I was like, no, that's not at all what I want to do. I don't want to be the hot dog guy of Missoula. It's a complete 180. Like, no. He was like, all right. And that morning I had to push off, you know, a 10-boat launch and wave goodbye to all the guides and all the guests, and I had to go back and start patching a boat. And so I was sitting on the deck having lunch, and the river uh, river photographer comes rolling up. He's like, hey, man, when where the boat's at? I'm like, they just launched, you know, a few hours ago, you got some time to still get there. And he's like, what's going on with you, man? You seem kind of in your head right now. I'm like, get this. My dad calls me and says I should open up a hot dog stand in Missoula. And he's like, dude, that's a phenomenal idea. You should totally do that. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, you know what I'm trying to do. This doesn't make sense for me. I don't know culinary. I don't know food trucks. I'm trying to be an adventure resort kind of an, an expedition leader lifestyle, you know? And I don't want to be the hot dog guy in Missoula. <laughs> and he looks at me, and this is where it all started to change. He looks at me and goes, Bryant? Drop your ego and go make some money. And I was like, whoa, all right, so maybe there's something to this. He's like, dude, there's so many food trucks in Missoula. There's so many things going on there, a whole bunch of events, and there's this active community. It's a thing. I'm like, all right, well, asked the boss man for a day off a couple of days later and went into town because um, we we were just 40 minutes downstream of town. So I never spent time in town. We were at the ranch waiting for you know, guests to come and take it on the river. So I never explored Missoula quite yet. And I went in there and just stumbled upon a brew fest, and there's a whole bunch of food trucks hanging out at the brew fest. And just so happens, there's a hot dog stand with a for sale sign. (laughs) I'm like, are you kidding me? So at the end of the event, I go up to the hot dog stand. I'm like, what's the deal with the for sale sign? They're like, no matter what we're selling or we're retiring, no matter what we're done at the end of this year, that are happy to sell, right? I'm like, well, what's the numbers? All this kind of stuff, right? So she hands me this like booklet of their numbers and these contacts and everything they've been doing for the last couple of years. And then they're asking price for it. And their asking price was, it wasn't a lot, but it was too much for the equipment that they had, okay? And the biggest thing that she did is she handed me all the events they do, the contact to all the event coordinators to those events. So I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, she said she's done next year, no matter what, whether they sell or not. So I call every single event coordinator. I'm like, hey, these guys are going to be retiring next year. Can I be your hot dog vendor for next year? And they're like, well, we have a good relationship with them. Let us call them and make sure that's true. I'm like, absolutely. Make sure that's true. If it is, call me back. I want to be your hot dog vendor for, for next year. 20 phone calls later, every single one of them returned a call saying, yeah, you're in. You're a hot dog winner for next year. I don't have any equipment. I didn't even know for sure I was even going to do this. I didn't even talk. This, to- is, this
1: <laughs> is a surfboard on a rainbow. like.
0: <laughs> so I got these callbacks and I call my dad. I'm like, Dad, were you serious about this? He's like, think about it, Brian. This is where it started to change again for me. He goes, think about it. You want to open this quarter million to a half million dollar adventure resort. You have... Hardly any management experience. You have no business experience. How do you just expect to open this thing up and know that you like the business side of things? And he's like, you're going to invest in this, and what if you find out that you don't like the business side of things, or not good at it or something? You're just going to go bankrupt in your early 20s? Is that really how you want to start your career? Or you start small, because this is a low investment, Low risk. Low risk, and you grow it. And if it grows into something great, then you take that money and you're your own investor for your next big company instead of going through banks and loans and all that kind of stuff. Or if you find out that you don't like the business side of things and it's not for you, then, yeah, you sell the equipment, maybe you're a couple thousand out, but you're not bankrupt in your 20s. I'm like, hey, that that makes sense. And my dad's a smart <laughs> businessman himself, right? So. So I started talking to a whole bunch of other friends and river guides and I'm like, "What do you think about this? What do you think about this? What do you think about this?" And they're like, "Dude, great idea. I'm getting so much positive feedback for it, you know." And so I took a little course about how to do it and that just the next season I bought some equipment and just hit the ground running. And 6 years later, what I What do you mean like, you
1: took a course to figure out how to do it? It's
0: called uh, Hot Dog University. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I asked. <laughs> So in Chicago, Vienna Beef is one of the big meat suppliers there, and they're famous for their hot dogs, the Chicago-style hot dog. It's a Vienna Beef product. And so I took a, a two-day th- two, two course just over the weekend. And um, they teach you all the ins and outs how to run a successful food truck company. Or for, for not food truck company, a hot dog stand or a cart, specifically. Um, and I thought it was kind of silly at first, but when I went there, it's, they taught me all the ins and outs of business side of things. It wasn't just how to cook a hot dog. If you can't do that, I mean, come on, right? right. So they taught you how to, you know, how to deal with uh, investors and the proper equipment and how to get these events and talk to the coordinators and make sure you get the fees right and how to set yourself up for success and product costs and all that. right? So it went way over and beyond my expectations. So when I got done with that course, you know, I bought the equipment and then just hit the ground running from there after learning from them.
1: So that first season, you went to these 20
0: events, 20-plus 20 events. Oh, yeah. How'd it go? Really good. Um, we grew really quickly. I, was, I did a lot of bar scene stuff, too, so Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights outside the bars. Um, started serving at 11 8, eleven p.m. until 2 a.m. I wouldn't go to bed until 4 a.m. It was just, just full on, but all these events are usually over the weekends, right? So I hustled. I mean, I'm young. I got energy. I don't need sleep. I don't need eat. I feel like I'm invincible. Right. Which eventually caught out to me. But <laughs> <laughs> but at that point, um, I'll just go, go, go. I got to make money. I got to pay off the business. I got to start making money for myself and everything. And, you know, I go out to the bar scenes and, you know, like example, let's say Friday night, 11 p.m., 2 a.m. in the bed by 4 a.m., uh, wake up at 7 a.m. to get to the event by 9 a.m. and go all day with that event and then go right back out to the Saturday night bar scene, 11 p.m. to 2 a.m., back in bed by 4. Kind of that whole rotation, right? Yep. And I just did that for that first winter. I started in October of 2013. So I went through the whole winters. My idea was, well, I'll practice and learn how to do this over the wintertime before those big events happen in summer. And then I just continued that all through summer and just hustled, man. I just didn't stop. I didn't eat. I didn't sleep, which is I don't recommend it now. It's not healthy at all. <laughs> but I had to do what I had to do. Yeah. And I just grew them, and every single year, it's been growing. Because my name and my brand has been out there. Um, so, uh, you know, you know, um, Vienna Beef, the in Chicago, that course I took that through. Their idea was, you take the course through us, and now you're going to use our product, our hot dogs, and all that, and we'll ship it out to you, kind of thing, right? You got to have a kitchen to make sure you can hold all this. Um. What was weird about that was they wanted to send out like two thousand pounds of product every two weeks, which is like over three thousand dollars every two weeks. I'm like, I'm not that big. Yeah, I'm not in the city of Chicago with millions of people. I'm in Missoula, Montana, with sixty to eighty thousand people. You know, I'm not as big. I just I can't do that. I don't have storage for it. I don't have funding for it. So I started looking for local resources and found. Um, Pioneer Meats, which is what I it use, it's all natural local Montana meat, 100% beef hot dogs, and they do a phenomenal job. And so I could just order as needed, not just this huge lump sum all at once.
1: Right, not the contract. Exactly.
0: So I didn't end up working with Vienna Beef. I found my local source in Montana, which I think was better for the business anyways, because I'm in a, I'm in a, a, a community that's very about local and quality food. And so I have a quality hot dog. I'm not just selling Costco meat or or Oscar Mayer or anything like that. Um, I'm, I'm selling local stuff, local Montana meat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and people recognize that and they really enjoy it. So it helped me grow.
1: Yeah, and so you've you've got a new one each year, and you're up to four now. Yes, I think the theme here is you have put yourself in a position that when op- opportunity comes around, you're at the plate. Like when you you went down to the Foo La Foo, you're like, I'm ready. I'll be on the bench, and when you need to call me up, I'm up. And they were like, no, we need a starter right now. We Not just a starter. We need an all-star point guard right now. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, I'm ready. And then your dad comes along. He's like, hey, I got this idea. And you're like, that's crazy. And then fast forward, that's amazing. Yeah. And Thanks, so, Dad, for a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's a situ- it's, you've put yourself in a position to where when opportunity knocks, you kick in the door and say, get your ass in here. It's time to do this. Got to make it happen. How do you approach the preparation when you do go into this? I mean, you're high energy. You're you have a goal, and you know what needs to happen. It sounds like you do a lot of research when you have something in mind. What's what are some of the tenets to your style of approaching this? Because, you know, if there's somebody that, you know, maybe is stumbling and they opportunities are out there, but maybe they're not getting themselves completely ready for it, or maybe they're ready. They're looking for opportunities. What are the things you do to make sure you're ready to make sure those opportunities come around and then you knock it out of the park?
0: First, it's a mindset. You got to be ready just to make things happen. And you can have a, a vision of what you want, but you have to be able to adapt with whatever comes at you. And still, like I call it turning obstacles into opportunities, which goes into river guiding, you know, like whitewater rafting. There's a whole bunch of obstacles in the river, all those trees, all those rapids, all those rocks. But we turn them into an opportunity to take people down a river and make money with it and have a great time, right? So obstacles and opportunities. That's the biggest thing. Um, The other one is, this is going to sound kind of weird, but I don't always research all of these things necessarily full on before I jump into it. Because when I've done that in the past, it's actually scaring me away from different ideas I've had. Because okay, I'm looking up like, well, have people done this before? Oh, there's already a hundred of them, or there's already 12 of them, or something like that. I'm like, I can't compete now. They have a head start on me, blah, blah, blah. Like, same with the food trucks. I didn't know how many hot dog stands were in Missoula before I started. And then I became number one very, very quickly because I didn't I had the research of knowing how to start up a company because of that education I took, the, the two-day course. But I just I just had I had to make it happen for myself. I wanted it. I had the focus. I had the vision of what I wanted it to be. But if I would research how to if I would research how many food trucks were already in town, how to actually do it in in different ways, you know, besides just hot dogs, I think I probably would have got scared out of it because well, there's over two hundred food trucks in this town. Like how am I gonna compete with that? But I didn't. I didn't know that. I just jumped into it and then created something for myself. And I feel like that helped because one it didn't fear me away or scare me away and two I'm not doing what they're doing I'm doing my own my own unique thing how I think I should do it and sometimes that can kick yourself in the butt with that but yeah. at the same time sometimes it can really work because like if you have the ambition drive and goal and vision that vision is creates that uniqueness to it And that's what happened with Covered Wagon is I didn't see what these other food trucks were doing, and I did it differently. I didn't do, like, the status quo of what they, you know.
1: You didn't have the curse
0: of knowledge. Yeah, and so I just, you know, I mean, I failed at different things, but I fail forward. I fail quickly. You know, you learn quicker. The faster you fail, the faster you learn, and that's part of growth, right? Clean up on the river. Same with, yeah, same with hockey too, right? That's why we practice. If you're not falling in practice, if you're not taking – you know, the perfect shot every single time. You know, you got to be pushing yourself, and you're going to fail. You're going to fall. You're going to slide on the boards, and it's going to hurt, and you're going to get shot in the ankle by your teammate because he didn't aim right or whatever, right? That's where you fail because you can't fail in, in, in the game. So you practice hard, and then hopefully it pays off. So you fail for it. You fail fast, and you learn from it. So that's what I did with even with rafting, too, you know. Yeah, why can't we go do that line? Because it's not really a smart line to do. Well, i got to go find it out for myself, because what if I do it differently than them? You know, I learned from first-year guides, too. You know, I'm a senior guy. I've been doing this for over a decade now. But all of a sudden, this one river guy comes up. He's like, why can't we go over there? I don't know. We've never done it over there. I'm like, go try it. Screw it. I'll, I'll pick up your piece at the bottom. And he had a beautiful line. Mm-hmm. And now I'm looking at it, I'm like, well, with this water flow, maybe we should take that line. That looks like a lot of fun. So you can learn from anybody, right? So it's just being adaptable and just you got to make it happen and and trust your own gut, you know?
1: Yeah. So you've been around a lot of seasonal workers, and I'm sure you've seen the good, the bad, the great, the terrible, the, you know, ones that move on quickly. Um, What is something, and maybe it's been recent, what is something, because, so to me, I'm asking this question because I, obviously you get it. You understand the value of, the seasonal lifestyle, whether it's short term, long term, for anyone, I don't, I don't have to push that on you. But the question I want to ask you is, what is something a lot of seasonal workers think or do that you would caution them away from? Like, is there a mindset that you've seen a lot that you're like, maybe think about it this other way, or maybe it's been one person recently you saw them do something, and you're like, let me, let me give you this wisdom right now to help you.
0: I actually had this conversation just a few days ago with someone and he's good at what he does and he's passionate about what he does, but I feel like he thinks that he needs all these certifications to do these things. And uh, yes, you do in some spots, but he's like, well, I need to go get the certification before I can start going to do this rafting stuff. I'm like, but why? I'm like, just go do it. You know, get these, get jobs with these other, and a lot of these different companies don't require certain certifications like this, a license to be a river guide, you know, the minimum for river guide you need to have is um cpr first aid and i recommend you have more like swift water rescue training um and technical rope support kind of stuff but you don't need to have you don't need to go to a school to be a whitewater raft guide you just get a job and they're going to put you where you need to be they're not going to just go and throw you into the biggest stuff they're going to train you right they want you to be a good guy for their company too you don't you don't You know, a company's not going to survive if people are getting injured or or worse, right? Mm -hmm. So they're not going to throw you into the stuff that you're not ready for. But you go there and you work with these guys and you train yourself that way. You don't need to go get these licenses because, great, okay, you went and got this license on this one river that they trained you on, but you're not getting a license on the other river that you're about to go work on. So, yeah, you know how to read Whitewater and how to pick up pieces, sure, but maybe they trained you on a class three and you're about to go run class four or even five. So you don't need all these big certs. Um, I recommend it as you keep on going further into because you get the pay grade too. You know, if you get swift Rest, arrest, you should get a couple dollars more. If you get CPR, you should always start with CPR first. say, down the river. I mean, that's just in my opinion. You should, um, but yeah, I, you got to just you got to stop overthinking it and just go make things happen. Because once you start overthinking it, well, I need this. I need to do that. Now I got to do this. But do you? What if you just go get a job? And ask if they'll train you that way. And some of them will say no. They want certain things. And if you want to go different um, countries, they got these certain regulations that you have to have. But a lot of these different companies, you don't have to have these certain um, things. So or, or, or certifications. Just start and make sure it's something that you really want to do. And they're going to put you in the correct spot. So you're helping them, them, their customers, and their business. Hmm.
1: You do you read much?
0: I l- listen. on okay. Books on the table. What? Uh, give me give me a book. I've been reading a lot of success driven habits um, kind of books. I don't read like adventure books necessarily, Um, like millionaire success habits. I'm really focused on, you know, with my lifestyle now, I focus on um, how to optimize my time because I travel around a lot. I have a business that needs to be a lot of attention to. um, So I read and get focused on how to create these rituals for myself, how to be organized, how to have that proper motivation, how to take care of self-care, you know, with mind, body, soul, um, you know, diet and all that. So I I read these different books about success-driven people. I try to learn about how these other people have been successful in their career, not necessarily just all about uh, finances, but just their ultimate lifestyle of, of joy and, and peace and w- money or whatever what it is, right? Everybody's got their own different ideas. So those are the kind of books I'm reading right now. It's just how to optimize my time and, and do. Because I want to do a lot. I do a lot. And how do? Sounds you, like it. <laughs> yeah, I'm driven, and I got the energy. So how do you make that all happen for yourself? You got to have these rituals and routines to make sure that you're set. You're, you set yourself up for success, and that's why I tell my employees too when they're working. It's like you set yourself up for success because you don't know when we're gonna get a big rush. Um, and same with like on the river, you know, you set that boat up early above that rapid, so you don't just kind of float into it thinking, "Okay, I'm gonna get over there." Because what if all of a sudden a big swell comes up and a boil and just like shoves you? to the left or right. Well, now, you know, you gotta be, have that momentum, set yourself up for success so you can take care of yourself and the people around you.
1: Yeah. What are What are three things when it comes to
0: rituals that you think are important? Uh, like self-care, so like body. Um, I wasn't taking care of my body the first couple of years. I mean, I was, I've always been an athletic person because of hockey and um, the whitewater stuff. But when it came into the business stuff, you know, I was lacking on, you know, getting myself to the gym. I wasn't eating properly, and it showed. It, it uh, pretty much brought me to my knees, and I ignored it for years. And it finally brought me to my knees, and that's when I was like, I got I to gotta eat right. So how I eat now has completely changed. How I go to the gym now has completely changed. Um, so that's number one, just self-care. Uh, mental, too. Positive thinking. Um, that's one of the biggest things, because it's crazy how many negative thoughts that we have. And... If like try this next time, we wake up in the morning and see how many negative thoughts just pop in your head within the first hour. And like, sure, it's different for everybody, right? But if you're conscious about it, it's crazy how our brain just goes into like security mode and self-defense mode and all that kind of stuff. So, learning how to turn these negative thought habits into positive thought habits, and in, in visualizing what you want, right? So that's. A uh, huge one for me is making sure my mindset is correct because, you you know, there's some things that you don't want to have to do some days, but you got to do it. So how are you going to change your mindset and to make sure it's happening so you can show up present and 100% every time? And the third one? And the third one. And the third one. Be, be good to people. That's a good one. Because it, we're all here to have fun and make some money and explore and and see new things. And these connections that we make, that's, I mean, why am I here in Ketchikan right now? It's that connection I made because we bonded down in Chile when um, the owner of this company came down to visit me, right? So it's just those connections that you make, be good to people, you know, and surround yourself with like-minded, positive influences. Always be learning from each other, right? It's, you don't, if you're the smartest person in the room, I don't think that's good. You're in the wrong room. Right. Always be learning from each other. So, and that creates that continued growth and uh, that positivity of wanting to learn more. And, you know, people people love talking about themselves, right? Ask questions. Like, well, you're doing great. I love how you're asking these perfect questions. Like, because you care. And that's what I love about what you're doing with your podcast and, and your magazine. You're, you're trying to help others and like minded people mm-hmm. to further themselves, learn from each other. So, yeah, that would be it.
1: Great. Well, Brian, thanks for coming on. It's been excellent. It's good talking to you. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate Joey. Yeah. That's yeah. it. That's the episode. The seasonals are Kelly Mogg, Ryan Deininger, me, Joey Ravinsky, the theme song by Ryan Deininger, Joe Williams, Louis Leva, Shappy, Thomas Hamilton. Follow us on Instagram at the Seasonals underscore. Like us on Facebook. Listen to our next episode. That's it. We're out.